0: Amen. Hey, this morning, we're beginning a new series, in particular to kick off this year, uh, Teach Us. Teach Us. And one of the things that I wanted to uh, just really uh, address initially is as we move into this particular uh, series, uh, I want to pose a question to you. I'll start it out by posing a question. What if there was one thing that you can do and if you did that one thing really, really well, that will affect and change all the other things that you did this year. See, many times we come to the beginning of the year, we make resolutions. And, and we know that uh, it has been said that by the middle of February, people haven't kept what they declared six weeks ago. And so um, I ask you this question that what if that Uh, what you did and this one thing you did well, it would affect and change all the other things that you did. It would have an impact not only on an area of your life, but your total life. And uh, I believe that uh, that was the same thing that Paul really addressed and asked uh, of himself that he had been saved for 30 years. And prior to writing to the church at Philippi, Paul had done many things for the gospel. And You know, he says something like, I have not apprehended, I'm not there yet, I'm not who God has really desired me to be, but he has done a lot for God up until that point. But then he had a greater desire, and he says that if there's one thing that I can do well, and if I do this one thing well, it would affect all the other things that I do. And in uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, he tells what his motivation is, and he says these words, that, come on, champions, would you read that with me? together like you know it is a word of his power now that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed so he says that I want to know him ah if I want to if I if I did this one thing and if I did this one thing well that I would throughout the course of the rest of my life that I might know him and I'd like know his power oh my god it's it's like That will change every other thing about my life that I might know him. And so I I humbly submit to you today that if you did this one thing and if you did this one thing well, that it will affect and change all the other things that affect your life. And that is that you might know Christ. If you make that decision today for the rest of this year, that you say, teach me so that I might know you. Now, there's something I believe that all of us have in common and the very thing that I believe that we all have in common no matter how long you have been praying or not, no matter how long you've been saved, that I believe that all of us can improve our prayer life. All of us can improve our prayer life. That's the one thing that all of us have in common. And if you're like me, you don't remember the first prayer that you ever prayed. But I do recall one of the earlier prayers that I prayed. And I remember it was in Sunday school at New Zion Baptist Church in Elm Grove, Louisiana. And the Sunday school teacher said to me, he says, Liddell, when you pray, all you have to do is ask God for what you want. And so my my prayer life began to go, oh God, bless me. Oh God, help me. Oh God, give to me. And as I began to reflect on that later in years, my prayer life, I learned how to pray focusing on is all about me. God, give me, God, bless my family. God, give to my family. God, uh, 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 bless me. And so it was really all about me. And so perhaps your prayer life is like that also. Perhaps you pray, and as you pray, you say, God, bless me. God, uh, give to me. God, help me. And when you, if you would record your prayers, you would see that it is based, if we were honest, that it's based in those categories. And what's interesting, however, is that um, you might be here as well, that your prayers are all about you. But then you may be also where you prayed at one time, but you don't pray anymore. And it was because you asked God for something that was really important to you and it didn't happen the way you wanted it to or it didn't happen at all. And so you decided that's it. It's a hit and miss. So I'm giving up on prayer. Well, what I wanna do is I want to just kinda share with you that God desires that our prayer time not be hit and miss. But he he declares that we truly understand what prayer is. And so if you would go to Matthew chapter six, as you go to Matthew chapter six, I want to ask you this, what if we discovered that the reason that our prayers are hit and miss is because we've been created for, prayer hasn't really been created for us to ask God for stuff. If we we really began to focus on this and we really began to, it wasn't the purpose of prayer was not so that we could ask God for things, ask God for stuff. What if we discovered that there was something much bigger that prayer was created for? And, 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 and what if we spent our entire lives not really knowing what it was? And so I just want you to have an open heart today to receive what I uh, wanna share with you and uh, as we ask uh, the, the Holy Spirit to teach us. In Matthew six, one day there was a crowd following Jesus and you know we look in the book of Matthew, we look in the book of uh, Luke, there was a crowd that was following Jesus and, and this crowd that was following Jesus Jesus sat on the hillside and he began to teach them. And Jesus taught them and he says that uh, blessed are the meek. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He says that if you're sad, God will comfort you. And then he says that if other people lie on you because you're doing things my way, you will receive your reward in heaven. And as he began to talk to them and teach them, that there was a a man, one of his disciples came up and he says, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Now, during that time, there was a Jewish uh, group that had been converted. And this Jewish group had been converted uh, over uh, into being a Christ follower. And so they had studied all of their lives. They had studied God. They had studied the word. They had studied prayer. They had studied this all of their lives but they came to Jesus, and, and they wanted to know how to pray. And Jesus, can you imagine? I've been studying all my life. Most of my life, I've, I've just focused on this. And then Jesus says, and I say, hey, teach me how to pray. And he says that you're not doing it right. Wouldn't that mess up your Kool-Aid? <laughs> and so Jesus, uh, as he talked to them, emphasizing that some of the things you think aren't impo- are important aren't important. And some of the things you think aren't important are important. And so he began to teach them. But before he he got into this, what we know as the model prayer, he said something to them in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Champions, let's read that like we know it is the word of his power. Now, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So, the first thing that Jesus addresses here, he says that, hey, what I want you to notice, I want you to pray when you pray, he says, don't be like the hypocrites. And a hypocrite is nothing more than a person who is an actor on a stage. Where well, they act one way, but actually they live their lives another way in real life, it's a, it's a real life. It's not, it's playing a role that is contrary to who you are. And so it's, it's referring to um, an actor or let's say it like this, a pretender. And so he says that And when you pray, don't be like the pretenders for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners that they may, that they may be seen by men. Now, what's the motive of their prayers? Come on, talk to me this morning. What's the motive? Why are they praying? So that they can be seen by other people. So they can be seen as being so spiritual. So that they can be seen by being so religious in that day. So they to be seen that I'm so close to God that look at the fire that I have. Look at the anointing that I have. And Jesus says that they have gotten their reward. He says that they prayed to be seen, they were seen, and the moment that they were seen, they got their reward. And so one might ask, what's God's going to do? Nothing. Why? It's because the motive of why they pray, they've already received their answer. And so first thing that God does is he addresses their motives. He addresses their motives. And he says that there are a group of people who pray in public in the place and they do it primarily for recognition. Now, let's look at this next particular verse here, verse six. So he says that don't do this, but do this. Ah, Let's read it together now. But you, when you pray to a room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Now, now, now I want you to notice is that Jesus didn't the Bible never records that Jesus went into a room and shut the door. But what it does record is that he got away by himself, on the hillside. He got away by himself. And so what Jesus is really illustrating is, is not so much a place, but he's talking about a condition. And he says this, and he says that when you have shut the door, he's giving them an analogy that uh, there is a secret place, there is a place. And look at this, this one verse, if you do it consistently, it will transform your life. And he says that, he says that, you know what, when, when you pray, you know, go, go into this room and shut the door and, and, and you begin to pray, but can you pray everywhere? Yes. Can you pray moving around and running around? Yes. Can you pray in the middle of a crowd of people? Yes. But notice what he is saying here. He is saying that uh, if you always are praying running around, if you're always praying between schedules and when you find the time to just try to connect with me, that it does not produce what I desire it to produce, and that's not the purpose of prayer. Now, let me just give you an analogy. What if Gwen and I, you know, because the Bible tells us God gave us a relationship that he and Jesus had, Uh, gave us a relationship that we see here on earth, father, son, but then also a relationship that that he established in the marriage, which is an example of our marriage with him. So he gives us an, an example. What if Gwen and I, that only talked when we were running around, only talk between schedules. Only talk between seeing other people. What type of relationship that would be. And I think that after 33 years of marriage, Gwen and I have a really good relationship. But see, running around and talking and touching bases with each other in, when, when we've got a time in between appointments and between schedules does not create the same intimacy that it does if we just get along by ourselves. See, see, there was a time I remember that Gwen and I, it takes about an hour to get to Galveston, but Gwen and I went to Galveston and went to Galveston. It took three hours to get to Galveston. We didn't stop. It took three hours to get to Galveston. What did we do? See, we live in Triple Lands, but we came 59, the opposite way of where you go to Galveston, but we came down 762. We went down 1424 through Guy. We went down 2004. I'm saying some numbers that you guys are wondering, what is he talking about? We went the back way to Galveston and we were cruising, we were talking, and the whole purpose of us going there was to have lunch together on the water. When we got there, we had lunch together, but how many of you know we didn't come back three hours? We took 45 and hit it straight. <laughs> but that was such a special time, a special time where we spent time together, time together. And it was so special, so special. And so there's a big difference between talking about uh, uh, life with, when you're in a rush, when you're moving around, talk about the children when you can, talk about, uh, and, and, but, but there's nothing replaces the intimacy. Why? Because one deals with the issues of life and what you need to get done, but then the other one deals with the relationship and the intimacy of the relationship. And so the connection comes when you go into a room and close the door or the connection comes when it's just you and God all by yourself. That's when the connection comes. That's when the relationship comes. That's when the intimacy is established. And notice this, what he says in the last part of this. He says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. The father who sees in what? The father who sees in what? Secret. The father who sees in secrecy. for there to be a secret, it must be between two people. And so the father who sees in secret, secret, in secret, he rewards openly. The word reward here is the word for recompense or to give back or to pay you back. And you know what? My God, if that's what it takes to get paid, If that's what it takes to be recompensive, that's what it takes to be blessed is to have an intimate time with God. My God, I'm going to go in a room and I'm going to close the door. In other words, I'm going to get to a place where I'm alone with him. And then, you know what, when you get into that place where you're alone with him, then that is the time where you can begin to talk to him. And you can talk to him about your finances. You can talk to him about your issues. You can talk to him about how you feel. Yes, but he's saying, look, you don't have to spend so much time on that stuff because I already know that stuff. Now, let me just say something. God, the Bible doesn't say, he says, when you pray, go in the room, he'll reward you. What he he sees in secret, he'll reward you openly. But the Bible doesn't say God's going to answer every one of your prayers. Let me say that one more time. The Bible does not say that God will answer every one of your prayers. It says he's given you the desires of your heart. But it doesn't say that it will, he will answer every one. I'm going to give you a perfect example. When I was like a freshman, sophomore rather, in college, that I had this desire. And, and I remember that I went to a place where I began to pray. And I began to pray for this. Check this out. I began to pray for this. I began to pray for this 260Z. And I said, oh God, Ah, see, I've been serving him. I even played the organ in church. I went to church every week and multiple times during the course of the week. And I began to pray just, I said, oh God, I'm here and and, and I, I want this 260Z. It wasn't new. It was like six years old, but I still wanted this 260Z, 1974 260Z. Oh, God, and I prayed, and God didn't say yes. God didn't say no. I didn't hear anything. See, if I had this 260Z in college, I'd probably marry Gwen earlier. I had this 260Z. I wanted it rather, but I didn't have it. But notice this. I didn't get, what was the purpose of me getting the 260Z? Why would I need this 260Z? Not to try to impress other people, not try to be noticed, right? I mean, that's why, to be honest with you, that's why I pray, man, shoot. If I got, I I stand out even college if I'm driving a 260Z. But you know what, I didn't, God didn't answer that prayer. Instead, really, I needed a car to get around. God didn't answer that prayer to give me that 260Z. You know what I got instead? A 1973 Comet. It was yellow and white. the lean. It was beautiful. beautiful. I was so happy to get it. I didn't get my 260Z, but what was the purpose of my prayer? My motive was to look good, but God says, I see what you have need of. You need to ride around and get around. Thank God. That he, he didn't answer my prayer the way that I wanted him to, but he did reward me what? Openly. openly. So Jesus made us that, so that promise. It was a promise that he made that I will reward you openly. So let's, can you get that off the screen? No, just put this next verse up. <laughs> verse seven. He says it like this. But when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door to pray to your father in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you Openly. Now, verse 7, let's see this here, what he tells them. He says that, and when you pray, let's read it together, now. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard. Now, let's read that one more time together now. And when you pray, Now, isn't this interesting? The word heard here means to get my attention. And he says that do not use vain repetitions uh, as the heathens do, for they think that they, they will get my attention because of their many words. And so, if you think that you can have to impress God, God is saying that look, I'm not looking for a specific type of prayer, I am not moved by certain phrases. I'm not moved by the length. I'm not moved by your volume. Uh, no, no. Uh, there, there was a, when, when we, those of you that are younger probably don't know this, but in every church in when I grew up, there was this table in the front. And in the beginning of the church, we used to have what they call devotion. And uh, so the deacons would come down front and then the deacons would sing. There was no praise and worship and then a prayer, but the deacons would sing what they called an old one hundred. You see, and then after, you know, like, I love the Lord, he heard my cry. I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then they would really get up. Oh, I love you. And they, and, or, or they would say, um, they would sing a number of different songs. And then in the audience... That we everybody would get involved, and so someone would do a, a, a meter uh, and would say, Um, it's getting late in the evening, sun is going down, and then while, while the, 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 uh, the deacons are praying, we do that, we'd join in, and we're that would be our engaging in worship. And uh, and, and everybody would join in, everybody would join in, they would sing. I've been in church all my life I, that I can remember, and so I decided one day. One Sunday service, that man, during the prayer, I'm gonna be bold. I was sitting in the audience on the same seat as my mama. And I, and I waited till somebody else did one, and I go, mm-hmm, it's, it's warm now in here. And then I said, it's getting late in the evening. And nobody said anything. Now that messed my Kool-Aid up. I didn't do it again at any point in my my, my my serving God. And when we went from deacons to praise and worship, I said, glory! I was happy about that. And I was just so embarrassed. And maybe I didn't say, and so my brother says, you didn't do it loud enough. So I was saying it to get other people to join in with me, not as a worship to God. And I was disappointed. So what happened? I stopped because things didn't happen the way that I wanted them to happen. And as a result, result, I gave up. See, that can happen also in prayer that you pray and you don't see. And you go, man, I prayed in front of other people and what I prayed for didn't happen. And so you quit. Look at this. He says that uh, just because you use many words and you, you pray a long time doesn't mean that you have gotten my attention. So there was a, two deacons that uh, were, were part of our church, and man, they would pray. Oh my God, when they pray, it seemed like heaven would come down. You feel so warm on the inside. I didn't know the word anointing, but now I would look back and say, boy, they were so anointed. So you would feel good. You would do... And you know what? Those, both of them, uh, as, they, um, as they continued uh, in their uh, life, both of them left their wives. And one would think that, man, they were so close to God. They really knew how to pray. They really knew how. Because, man, they would let it go. Oh, God, thank you that last night well, my bed was not my cooling board. Thank you, Lord God that you're my wheel in the middle of the wheel. Oh, God, I thank you that you're my battle axe in the middle of a battle. Oh, God. And they would, man, it was like, God is just moving. God was, God's like, wow, but no. You know what's amazing about that? One of the most powerful prayers I've heard One of the most powerful prayers that I heard was prayed several weeks ago in our Saturday morning prayer call. There was a second grader that began to pray. And as that second grader prayed, it was so transparent. It was so pure. It was so honest before God. And I believe that that was the prayer that God stood up and said, wow. Do you know what happened? After that second grader prayed, our prayer time began to be ignited. And And so notice this. That's really what it's what it's like. That's really what it's about. Now, it you know, doesn't necessarily turn God off, but God was dealing with the motives, right, of why we do what we do. And so uh, as we look at this, one of the things that we have got to uh, focus on, that if I go in my room and if I close the door, for, the, for they think they be, they will be heard for their many words. And then he says that I know what you have need of. So if he already knows, and so you say, well, if he knows what I already have need of, why am I gonna go into the room? What am I gonna say when I go into there? If he knows what I have need of, what am I going to say? And he says that, you know what, I know what you have need of, but you don't have to spend the entire time telling me what you want, what you need, and what you want me to give to you. He says, you can talk about that, but that's not the purpose of this. I want you to come in and I want you to get to know me. And in that intimate place that God begins to reveal some things to you. And so if you're saying that, what do I say when I go into a room? And if he knows everything that I need and what I have need of, what am I going to say? And then if that's a question that you have, then I believe that you're at a point of recognizing that prayer is not about God giving you stuff. If he knows what I need, what am I going to say when I go into the room? See, it's not about what you can get from him. It's about knowing him and the relationship, the intimacy of the relationship that you can have together. And you can talk about those things, but that's not the purpose of prayer. And, and, And if we would be really honest, if we recorded our prayers, we would see most of our time is about do this, do that, give me this, give me that, bless me. And God says that that's not what it's about. I want you to go into your room and get into a place where you can get to really know me. You can be intimate with me. That you can uh, block out all the distractions. That you're not just talking to me running between appointments and running between taking the kids to school. You're not rushing around and when you find a little couple of seconds, you know, how long do I stay in there? If you stay in there two minutes, three minutes, whatever that is, he's saying that you've got to spend time with me. If we do this one thing and if we do this one thing well, as Paul says, so that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, if we do this one thing and one thing well, it will affect all the other things that we do in our lives. And when that happens, then the kind of life that God has for you, you'll begin to live your best life. Why? It's because out of relationship comes the benefits of the relationship. And see, we have a, we have a responsibility to the relationship and to the extent that you can enjoy the benefits it's to the extent that you uphold the responsibility. You're part of the relationship. And then, as the Bible says, that when we um, honor the gifts, that all the gifts that that person has become available to you. What would it be like that if uh, whenever Gwen c- cooked or whenever Gwen did something, whenever Gwen said something, that I said, oh, that's not good. Oh, you don't know. Oh, you this... Oh, you missed it. All of this. What happens that Gwen stops doing, saying what happens? The relationship drifts. And that's one of the things that God talked about. He says, I want you to avoid love drift. And so what happens is that, but you know what? Man, that, man, I tell you those grits and that bacon were so good this morning. It was better than yesterday. Oh my God, those greens and yams were so good. And that cornbread that I cooked? Okay, I didn't cook it, I just said that. Uh, For Christmas, uh, one of the New Year's, New Year's, Gwen cooked and and it was so good. The greens, the yams, the cabbage rather, the yams and the uh, black-eyed peas. And, And I said to, she did the cornbread up, but then she asked me to look at it to know when to take it out of the oven. And how many of you know the key is knowing when to take it out? Because if you take it out too soon, it's mushy in the middle, right? If you take it out too late, it's too burnt up to even eat. And so it was at the rock, in, in the fullness of time. I took it out and it was so beautiful, golden brown. And I said, honey, this cornbread that I cook goes good with these greens and yams and black-eyed peas that you did. And you know what Gwen says? Gwen said, you didn't cook that cornbread. And you know what I did? I kept saying it. I kept saying it. And then other people around, family members, began to say, Boy, Liddell, this cornbread is really good. <laughs> so the most important thing that we can do is have this personal and intimate relationship with Jesus. And the reason God asks us to pray, and not because he needs to know what we are need of, but he has invited us into an intimate relationship with him. And that's why he has said to us, it's not about what only you do in the public, but it's really about what you do in the private place. Why? It's because everyone has a public face, a private face, face, and a personal face. Your public face is what everyone else sees about you. Your your, 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 your personal face is what the people around you see, and your private face is what you know about yourself. And God says that it is that intimate relationship that I desire to share with you. And that's the purpose of prayer.